Now, our second act tonight have enjoyed a lot of success on the continent, and they're now working hard on cracking the British market. They've been getting excellent reaction recently as support on the Ramones tour. And although they started out on the punk ticket, their stars changed a bit. As you'll discover right now, let's have a big welcome for the boys. <laughs> listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and it's time right now for the Nardward a Human Serviette Radio Show. Today in the Nardward a Human Serviette Radio Show, an interview with Mick Jones from Carbon Silicon, and also an interview with Chad Allen from The Guess Who. Right now, here's Carbon Silicon. Please? Please? Oh, um, I guess it's probably telling me that we should have actually mentioned that we played the boys. That was the boys from the pill session. That was probably the gods telling me we should play the boys from the pill session. Here is some carbon silicon right now, I think. Well, actually, you know what? This is a sign that we should go back to the... Oh, oh, there we go. Thank you, Michael. Carbon silicon. 
And you're listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwarda Human Serviette Radio Show. And who do we have on the line right now? Hello. Are you there, caller? Yeah, I'm here, caller. I'm, I'm here, main controller. And I'm calling into the main controller, the main man, the serviette, the human serviette. Thank you very much. And who are you, caller? Uh, I'm Mick Jones. Mick Jones from Carbon Silicon. Yeah, no, not the other one, yeah. 
And right now, we are fading out your song. I don't know if you heard that. Sorry about that. I, I did hear it. I heard it in muffled vision coming through clearly. Yes, I was playing it via MySpace. Really? That was from MySpace, because we don't actually have the CD, because it isn't out yet in Canada. It isn't out for a couple weeks. Is that right? Oh, right, we're coming back to tour, because we couldn't get in, we couldn't get the wagon train in. Well, I guess... And the... so we're going to... We did, some of the horses didn't have the right accreditation. That's, I guess, what we were curious about, Mick. And actually, if anybody has any questions for Mick from Carbon Silicon, it's 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. Mick, people were really excited about the big gig that was going to be happening. And what happened? The horses didn't make it? What exactly? No the van- horses didn't come. And also, then we got turned away. And then uh, it was like, they say the official story is clerical error. But I think there's something more sinister behind it, I've got to be honest. But we're supposed to be coming back for a more uh, extensive tour of Canada exclusively in the late uh, late summer, early autumn. And people in Vancouver were pretty excited to see you and Tony because Vancouver is home of Generation X's Douglas Copeland, the guy who wrote the book Generation X. Oh, really? Yeah, Vancouver is the hometown of Douglas Copeland. He wrote the book Generation X. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, we were, we wanted to come there too. We were wanting to come. We were willing to come in every way, you know. And we will we will honour that date somewhere along the line later if we're still together. And Mick Jones, I'm not sure if this played into it at all, but do you know the night you were supposed to play in Vancouver, you know who else played in Vancouver that night? The Mad Professor and the band Styx. They were both playing the same night that you were supposed to play in Vancouver. Oh, really? Oh, okay. So it might have been like a counter-promoter pro- um, infighting then. So if people didn't get to go to people didn't get to go to Carbon Silicon, they still had a choice to go check out the Mad Professor or to check out Sticks. Well, also we were particularly looking forward to going to Vancouver because we'd been told how cool it was, and, and then the only trouble was we didn't get let in. And also, Vancouver holds a lot of special memories for you, I think, Mick, because Vancouver was the site... It was the first ever gig that The Clash played in North America was in Vancouver. At the Commodore Ballroom, like your first out-of-Europe exactly. out of gig in North America, at least, was in Vancouver. So the first punks that you saw were the Vancouver yeah. punks. That was like 78, 79, wasn't it? It was like really like at least... 30 years ago now. It was like February 1979, and we have a caller. Caller, are you there? Yep. Caller, oh, hello, caller. Go ahead and speak up to Mick Jones. Hello. Hi, Mick. It's Davies phoning. A bit louder if you could, caller. Hi, it's Bev Davies phoning, just saying hi. Sorry you didn't make it up here to the show. Us too, us too. Sorry we couldn't make it. We're going to come soon, hopefully. Now, Mick, Bev took some photos of you when you played with The Clash in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada in 1982 at your last... Yes, and we were going to show these photos to you at the gig as well. We tried to email them to you. I don't think you got them. Did you some photos? I'm not sure. It takes me a little while since I'm not the best person to do all that stuff. Bev, what can you tell, how can you describe the photos to Mick, Bev, that you took years ago? There's one of them, um, there's one of them that I took at the US Festival in San Bernardino when you guys played there. Oh, okay, okay, that was my last ever gig, actually. Yes, with The Clash. You had a press conference 
um, in, who knows, the backfield behind the stage um, yeah. before you guys went on. And it's a Yeah, well, that was a funny press conference because that was like, we only knew about that a couple of minutes before the press did. And it was like our manager, and no, no one, we, none of us started doing a press conference just before we went on stage. And so we were really fed up. And so what we did was, um, especially Joe was tremendously fed up, and he took hold of our manager at the time and just got him by the scruff of the neck and said, I'm not doing a press conference, you are. And ah. he just chucked him to the press walls. Well, that kind of explains his back this picture, to the, too, because... Back to the rest of the press hounds, and then... We went on stage. How would you describe... Over there. They were touring him apart from limb to limb, and we, we went on stage over his bits of bones. <laughs> that was our manager's last time we ever worked with him. Ah, that explains this picture, then, and you will get a copy of it. But it's got... Okay. I, arrived... back on, I hope we can see the manager getting torn limb from limb. No, 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 actually not. <laughs> I had some restriction where I could be. <laughs> And, um, <laughs> he couldn't see it. I couldn't he see it, He did end it in no. a punch-up, though, didn't he, if I remember correctly? Pardon? It was, because they went, the clash of El Leicester building, like, in the Elvis the photo announcement. <laughs> the and we went, no, we haven't, we're still here. And, there's and then one the bouncers wouldn't let us on, and so we scuffled at the side of the stage for a little while, and then eventually we had our power of numbers overcame their power of numbers. Ah. back on stage for an encore. Yes. By then, I was away across another lake, heading to my tent. <laughs> That's because they told you that we'd left the building. That's yeah, why. I, know. I hate that. I thought you got on the helicopter and went back to the hotel. <laughs> and, Bev, you also took photos of Mick when he played with The Clash, and we're speaking here to Mick Jones from Carbon Silicon. And if you want to speak to Mick Jones, too, it's 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. Bev also has some photos of you, Mick, when you played the Carisdale Arena. Right, Bev? Could you describe those photos? Because those are very interesting. And yeah, what you I remember. Yeah, um, this, there's one here um, from June 26, 1982. All right, do you know that's my birthday? Is it? Well... That is really my birthday, seriously. Wow. Well, there's a birthday picture of you then backstage at the Carisdale Arena, and all of you are in the dressing room standing, posing for me to come in. And your manager at the time made me sit outside um, the dressing rooms, which, you know. Which manager to... was this? It was much later after, yeah, obviously, after we had like some continual limb from limb. managers. The one we were talking about earlier is no longer with us. I'm just joking. But the manager <laughs> kept walking past, and you people were walking past, and I was told to sit there and wait, not to talk to anybody. So I was sitting and wow. waiting. Wow sitting and waiting, and then he came by and he stood and he said, oh, you know, they don't like the press. And I said, you know well, what Well, we didn't they... consider you the press, though. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I said, you <laughs> know what they'd be without the press? And he got all bristly, and I said, they'd be the greatest he got, he got band snippy, on earth. He? But no one would have ever heard of them. <laughs> and then without me, you guys. Then he, he said, know, okay, we you didn't can go in. We you the press. We thought you were... It was a different uh, categorization for 
for the, for the photographers, war photographers, we like to call them. <laughs> so these are Vancouver gig memories from 1982 <laughs> at the Carisdale Arena. Hopefully there'll be some newer carbon silicon gig memories coming up, right. hopefully in 2008. Bev, the evening continued on and you took some more photos. Maybe you could describe to Mick Jones the photo you took of their tour bus. What do you remember particularly about that gig? I guess it was your birthday, Mick, in Vancouver. No, that's right, yeah. I no, think I've got that out which is exactly my birthday thing. I think it was my 17th or 18th. No, I'm just joking. Anyway, <laughs> but um, it was well, like I was early 11 on. At I can't the time, figure it out so. now because uh, <laughs> maybe 22... I don't know. And Bev, continuing on, some of the other photos you took, one of them is of a tour bus, right? Could you explain yeah, that? that? Was your very first tour that you came through Vancouver where you first show at the Commodore. Didn't yes. see that. But your the very last show you did on the same tour after you'd been all around, you did in Vancouver also. And right. I remember DOA, that too because I, everybody left me at Vancouver. DOA opened home, for you. I think. They've had enough of me. And I was going, help. Do you remember, Mick, some of the opening bands that opened for you? Because one of them on that particular tour, the very last gig was the rock and roll band DOA, the punk band DOA. Of from course, Vic- of course, yeah. Our hometown boys. And somebody wrote on your bus, on the mm-hmm. side of the bus. <laughs> well, that, that, it was Dolly Parton's bus originally, I think, so... Somebody spray-painted on the side of the bus, Clash Suck DOA Rule. There was some... <laughs> and Bev has a photo of this, and we were hoping to show this to you at the gig, all these little memories from Vancouver, British Columbia, then Canada. What we did, we sprayed over the suck and DOA, and so it just said Clash Rule. Oh, very good. Good thinking. <laughs> we always wondered about that. Now, one other thing here. Although Bev didn't take these photos, I've shown these photos to Bev Mick Jones. We're speaking to Mick Jones here from Carbon Silicon. If you have any questions for Mick Jones, it's 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. I sent Bev, and I also sent them to you. I guess the record company didn't get them to you, was a picture of you playing soccer in Vancouver. Like when you guys arrived in Vancouver for your very first gig, I think you arrived here a week earlier. Early, and you ended up melding with the locals, and you played soccer with some of the local said, punks. We needed to get acclimatized, that's what it was. We thought, because it would be so high up, there's so much static electricity, we needed to get acclimatized before. And now, what a perfect way to become acclimatized and to play football. And, and you played. We used to play all the time in the old days. It was part of our routine, you know. So we have a. We'd gr- play a bit of music, go and have a game of football and then go and play some more music. It was like part of it. It was like a training, also the kind of camaraderie of the team, you know. Do you remember anything about that game? You guys won 5-3. You won that game 5-3. Yeah, we, had some, we had some ringers, probably, on our, on our team. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, apparently Paul Simonot played really dirty. Did he play really dirty? Like, all the people in Vancouver, all the punks were like, man, Paul exactly. really hurt some me. Some of the socials. The, the, the finesse that you see in the in the modern day player, I would agree with that. That's for sure. <laughs> well, thanks for phoning in, Bev. Any other questions at all for Mick Jones? Have you described where, your photos? Mick, where are you now? Oh, I'm in um, New York, right? New York City. We're playing our New York gig tonight. Oh, and where so are you going really in New York? Looking forward to that. And um, I'm actually sitting in the back of the bus, funnily enough. And so um, the tour that never ends is continuing after. a uh, uh, several years uh, 
Where, what place oh, are you playing? While I had babies with my partner. The, oh, yeah. You're playing the Fillmore tonight in New York, right, Mick? That's right. Oh, Irving wow. Plaza. Well, we've played many times with BAD as well, so... We're going to try a historical place. We're going to try to get you those photos too. How should we get you those photos? We've been trying to email them to you. How how can we get them to you? Well, you can certainly email them to carbonsiliconinc.com, which is our own very own website, which has loads of really great stuff on it, uh free music, uh information about the band where we're playing and also um, a very active forum on all related subjects as well. Okay, we'll send them there. Well, thanks so much, Bev, and doot-doot-a-loot-doo. Quick. Thank you so much. Lovely to talk to you. All the best. See you soon. Oh. All the best. Love you. Don't hang up yet, though, Mick. I still have a few more questions for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and so, Mick... I was what I, what I was curious about was actually when you just returned here from South by Southwest. What were some of the new bands that you saw at South by Southwest? Were there any bands that you dug at South by Southwest? Some new oh, bands. I saw quite a lot, but I wasn't running around like a nutcase trying to see bands like some festivals. But I did see quite a few. I saw the Pigeon Detectives; they were really good. Um, I, I saw Duffy briefly. You know the new up and coming scene. She was all right. It was pretty cool. I liked it very much. I also heard... Was Not Was, the Alabama Free, I actually did a number with them. I saw loads of groups every day. You couldn't help but see groups. I saw Billy Bragg play. Um, It's a wonderful festival, you know. And I heard that there was a... I really recommend it to anybody who's into music. I heard it was such a success, there was even a lineup, even a lineup to get into your interview. Like your interview had a huge lineup just to get into it. Well, it was amazing because they were, they were trying to sell tickets for it, but we thought we couldn't take the piss so much, you know? <laughs> Caller, are you there? Do we have I a. I beg your pardon. No, I'm saying, I think we have another phone call. Caller, are you there? Hello? I am here. I'm, uh, is that me? No, that's. Oh, no. no, I was just wondering Wait if you had. Okay. We, I think we had another Sorry. caller. Please phone back 604 822 247 604 UBCCITR if you'd like to speak to Mick Jones from Carbon Silicon. And speaking of Mick Jones, Mick Jones, I was thinking of all the bands who've been Big Audio Dynamite, The Clash, etc. What was your first punk gig? But then I was thinking, you are punk. How, can, how does that work? If you are punk, what is your how first... How does that work? How does that work? Well, I don't know how it works, but I think it's the same thing, uh, like trying to stay true to the beliefs you always always had is probably how it works. But what was the I first punk band that you saw? Because you were the first punk band that you saw because you were punk. You know, like... The first band that I ever saw, I, I saw bands on television when I was, like, really young, like the Kinks and the Beatles and the Who and the Small Faces. Oh, I guess I meant by punk band. Stones. What about the punk... When did you first see the Sex Pistols? Yeah, no, they used to be, like... Well, very influential was um, Lenny Kay's Nuggets compilation, uh, Patti Smith's Horses and the Ramones' first album. And then even before that, it would be the New York Dolls, the MC5 and the Stooges. Caller, are you there? I'm still here. Oh, oh yes. Caller, go ahead. Speak loudly to Mick Jones. Mick Jones and Nardwar's human serviette. Hello. Said, you guys, you've you, you never been to Poland to play in Poland, have you? No, amazingly not. I've got look, many Polish friends in, in Hammersmith, where I live, near where I live. It has the biggest uh, Polish population in London. 
and that's like traditional since the like, Second World War or something. Right. And in fact, the coat of arms of Hammersmith has like the Polish, I don't know if it's a lion or whatever the Polish symbol is, as oh. part of it. And funnily enough, we're playing in a Polish hall tonight because we're playing at the Irving Plaza, which is now called the Fillmore. And that used to be like an old Polish hall. And uh, yeah, it's all the, po the Bialystok and all that. The coats of arms were all the names of the Polish families around the walls of the old dressing room. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm, because I'm with you, man. I love that. Yeah, because, you know, when, when, when we were playing in Poland, we were just, you know, copying you and all your songs. And no, we're coming. Well, we're coming. I've got so many Polish friends. They keep saying, when are you coming? We're coming soon. We're yeah, you know, I'm not, call, I'm not calling. I'm not calling. An airdrop. Okay, well, you know, it's just too bad <laughs> because I'm already here 20 years in this country and I never got the chance to see you. We're waiting for oh, you. Oh, come, come and see us where we're playing. Well, well, I will, I will. It's kind of, you please know. Do, please do, <laughs> you'd be most welcome. We'd love to see you. Okay, uh, one more question. Uh, you know, I've seen so many documentaries about you and Sex Pistols. Could you tell me what yeah. was the kind of relationship between two of, two of bands of yours? Well, we had a good relationship at the start and then we got a little bit it got a little bit bristly at the time of um it was fine when we were like the second second band and as soon as we started like doing our own moves and stuff we got it started to fall apart that, that relationship but funnily enough we got it back together again in later years and we've all been good friends since then well, thank but right then, at the time, there's going to be a little bit of rivalry at that time, obviously, you know what I mean, and be a given, really. Yeah, that's, yeah. It, there's a new documentary about, I don't know if it's about you guys, or it, basically they, they advertise this as a documentary about Joe Strummer. You, have you seen oh, yeah, it? yeah, yeah, it's about Joe. Yeah. Have you seen it? Oh, yes, I'm in it. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, but hey, what do you think about it? I thought it was good. It was very, very much like a three-part kind of story, like in the traditional sense, like uh -huh. the before, which I found particularly interesting. The during and the after were very three different sections. I found, but I thought it was really good. Good story. It kind of combined all the best of Julian's previous work as well. Well, uh -huh. thank kind of no, Well, I have one more question, Nadwar, if I may. Sure. Because uh, you know what I heard about this film is just they they they, they picture maybe not you as a band but just Summer as as a guy who was hungry for fame. Is, 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 do you have this sense of no, him? Or? part of the picture, but no, I didn't really reckon. I didn't really know that. Uh, not so much, you know. I mean, that's kind of thing you might say afterwards, after the fact. So sort of it's just this this trying to embellish what it was. It wasn't that actually. So is, it is this only? More, it was something beyond that. It's more like kind of like um, I don't know. So there's only bullshit, but bullshit made up by critics, right? That are just like a, like a hungry sled. Well, thank you very much for phoning in, Hans, and doot doot a loot do. Clash clash. And you're still listening to CITR Radio FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwater Human Serviette Radio Show. And we're speaking here to Mick Jones from Carbon Silicon. If you have any questions for Mick Jones, 604 822 2487, 604 UBC CITR. And Mick, speaking of movies and stuff, you guys in Carbon Silicon have a song called Hey Charlie Chaplin. That's right. It's like, yeah, called Charlie Chaplin. As I said before, I had a, like, I've just been in the lucky position of having a few young children the last few few years. My uh, youngest daughter has just turned four, and my uh, other one is 
five. So um, I felt a little bit like Charlie Chaplin. And both you and Tony were in the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off. We weren't actually in the movie. We both had tracks on it. We both had tracks on the soundtrack of Ferris Bueller, and that's kind of a nice kind of 80s thing to be on. And speaking of kids and whatnot, Mick Jones from Carbon Silicon, you also had some songs on the Flintstones soundtrack with Bad, right? Yeah, I've always loved the Flintstones and actually have all the actual, the whole, every Flintstones, because one day on the Cartoon Network back in England, they showed a whole Flintstones marathon. It lasted about a week, and I managed to record every episode of the Flintstones onto video, including the Flintstones kids. So, obviously, I'm really into that. And, Mick, this was another thing that I was going to show you, another photo, but unfortunately, I guess you didn't make it to Vancouver. You will return. This was a photo I had of Ray Winstone and Paul Simonon sitting on a movie set in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. That's right, that's right. They made this film called Ladies and Gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains. And that was when we were making San Anissa, I think, and Paul went off for a few weeks to make that movie with Steve Jones and Paul Cook and Ray. And then they they played this band called Fabulous Stains. And then there was, like, all the girls, like, kind of, like... It was from the same woman who wrote Slap Shots, you know, the movie with Paul Newman, Nancy Dowd. Yes, indeed. And what's... Yeah, it was a good, kind of interesting movie that, that's like, no one gets to see. And it's very interesting because one of the groups in that... Um, wear some white smock or something. No, they wear white stripes, and they go, ladies and gentlemen, here's the white stripes, right? And that was the first time you ever heard that. It was also in that movie. And Paul actually... So it was a very interesting movie. And that was shot in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Another connection. But did Paul miss some of the Sandinista sessions as a result of that? Because he told... That was right, yeah. Like, you he, 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 he had actually finished everything, and then he had to go and actually fill in, so he actually missed some of the sessions for that movie, which is quite... That's good. right. What is the Rock and Roll Public Library, Mick Jones? What is the Rock and Roll... Well, this is a project of mine that I'm hoping to, like, open to the public this year, really. I've got a really big collection of stuff, which I've been collecting since I was really young, and I want to, like, make it available to share and for people in educational purposes to resource the information because everybody likes that the kind of stuff that I got and it's like everybody else has got stuff like that as well and so people keep giving me stuff to put towards it you know what I mean it's a really nice idea and it's the thing that could really work work everywhere you know what I mean and we've been talking to the council about in negotiations for the last six months or so and we're very close to completing it. I don't really like to talk about my plans until after I've done them, you know what I mean? Because otherwise you could end up with egg on your face. But this is a really good thing that a lot of great, other great artists want to contribute their stuff to as well, you know? Filmmakers and other musicians and writers. Everybody wants to be part of this. Because really, it's like trying to push the culture forward, really, to continue to like make things great and nice for everybody as much as you can. Well, it's really great that you're doing such interesting things, Mick Jones, because you guys also do the Carbon Casino. What can you explain about the Carbon Casino? It's pretty interesting, this Carbon Casino that you have. It's a residency at a small club under the Westway that we did started doing this year. Um, It was a kind of variety show. Like, the first act will be a very young band, like bands of 
like between 12 and 14, 15. Like, there's, very, there's lots of young bands in London, and then we would have like an acoustic, like a folk club or something like that. You know what I mean? But like a modern day folk club where people get up, everybody's part of it, people, uh, the people who come are part of the actual making it happen, you know what I mean? We're, we really want to like make things happen if we can, and, and but the main thing is that we can't do it on our own, and so people have picked up, they've got us, what kind of group we are, and we're doing it, we do it mostly for our age group, but everybody seems to like it, you know what I mean? We have our younger people, our kids come to our things, and our elders do, we all come together. It looked really fun, Mick Jones. We're speaking here, winding up to Mick Jones, 604-822-2487. If you have any questions for Mick Jones, that's 604-822-2487. For Mick Jones of Carbon Silicon, I saw on some clips that you had posted from the Carbon Casino that you guys did a version of Should I Stay or Should I Go by The Clash, and you'd also perform that with the Libertines. What's the difference between the Libertines version of Should I Stay or Should I Go and the Carbon Silicon version of Should I Stay or Should I Go? Uh, the difference is that when we played it with, um, when we played it, we played it with Topper. Um, it was the first time I played with Topper for about 25 years. So that was really amazing. You know, Topper was a drummer from The Clash, and so that was why we did it. And when I did it with the Libertines, it was like, it was with Gary Powell. My good friend... He's also good as well. He's a drummer of the Libertines. <laughs> My good friend Dave, he's originally from Dover, and he was always told that the headmaster of his school was Topper Heaton's dad. Is that true? Was Top- that is true. That is true. Topper's dad is a headmaster, and that is exactly true. And Topper lives in Dover now, even now. So and- he's gone back. That's where he was, was originally from. And my friends, my friend was saying his dad was telling my friend that it, that his friends were saying, "Yeah, just go over to Topper's house. He'd love to see you. You know, he's into jamming. Is Topper into jamming like that?" Does he he like- really is. You know what I mean? And he's also um, he's doing really well now. Doing really well. Mick, speaking of Rock rock and Roll Public Library, the London SS, I began the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show by playing a track by The Boys, the legendary punk band The Boys. Yeah, and we sort of played with them uh, in that time. You know, that was one of the groups we played with. We met lots of musicians during that time, although the group itself never played a gig or recorded anything. No, the London... It was just really a conduit for meeting other musicians at the time. And it was never going to work anyway. I noticed you had some different names. For instance, you were called the London SS, but when Chrissy Hind joined the band, I saw that there were some proposed names with Chrissy Hind, like Schoolgirl yeah. Underwear, Mike yeah, Hunt's the, Honorable Discharge. The idea discharge. behind that when we had Chrissy Hind was that she was going to be like just one of the boys, right? Not the boys, the band, but just one of the boys. And she, you think she was a boy, and we were going to do this band called Schoolgirls Undies. And then she was going to be the lead singer. And then when we made it, she would go, ta-da, I'm a girl. And that was the idea. You, anyway, so obviously it didn't work, but that was the original idea of it, and that was school girl undies. And, and all- then I think Chrissy went on to join the Moors Murderers after that and- for a short while before she formed the Pretenders. And Mick Jones, you also had Terry Chimes, who later formed, you know, with, helped you with The Clash and also was, did stuff with Tony in some playing as well, I think, and also... Yeah, had- no. And then, but he's a, he's a really famous chiropractic guru now. That's so right. He's always he always wanted to be a doc, some kind of doctor. He didn't really want. He wanted to play drums, but only like. And he's a wonderful guy, and we're really great friends with him too. Now, and it's funny that he's played with both Tony and I, 
And of course, he did two stints of the Clash. One, the early played in the first record, and then rejoined later after Tuffer left. Yes, I think he's actually pictured in that photo from 1982 at Carisdale okay, Arena. Okay, that'd be right. Of Mick Jones of Carbon Silicon, and winding up here, Mick Jones from Carbon Silicon, six zero four eight two 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 four eight seven UBC CITR. If anybody has any questions for Mick Jones from Carbon Silicon, who unfortunately couldn't make it to Vancouver a couple of weeks ago, but you are planning an extensive tour of yeah, Canada. Yeah, no, we're going to do a tour. We're going to tour. The idea is to do the big idea is to do Canada as a separate tour. We're going to not just do it as a buy tour of the North America bit. We're going to do you properly. Mick, also on the Nardwarta Human Serviette radio show today, I am interviewing Chad Allen, the original lead singer of The Guess Who. Are you familiar with The Guess Who from Canada? I, I know them. I know every group. Yeah, most every group, nearly every group. I don't know all the, all the names of the new ones, he was I the, do know The Guess Who, obviously. He was the original singer that did the song Shaken All Over. That the Who... Yeah. That the Who made. I was shaking all over. I was trying to kid the pirates, mate. But the Canadian version. The Canadian. They covered it. They covered it. Yeah, the Canadian version. And earlier today, believe it or not, Mick Jones, I did an interview with Flavor Flav from Public Enemy, who I think sampled Big Audio Dynamite. Did Public... Really? I love Flavor of Love, gotta say. We watch that every night. Uh, we watch the repeats. What's going to happen with Thing One and Thing Two? I'm not sure. He's shooting a sitcom in Vancouver. <laughs> He's shooting a sitcom. No more reality shows for him. He's shooting an actual sitcom. Why doesn't, or not a lot, I care, but why doesn't MTV or VH1 have videos anymore? <laughs> I, not, it's I guess, a reality show after reality show, isn't it? I, they I, do sometimes show when you're asleep. I, I think they have YouTube. The odd video. They have YouTube instead, and people can actually check out so much of your stuff on the internet. And isn't that amazing? Isn't YouTube amazing for everybody? Isn't it great? You can go, like, just look at the MC5 or the Stooges or the Dolls on YouTube. And, and then I'm, that's all I've got. Caller, are you there? I am here. Go ahead. Um, speak up, caller, to Mick Jones to from Carbon Silicon. Okay. Right. Hi, Mick. Hello. Long-time fan of The Clash and Big Audio Dynamite. Thank you very much. I'm going to the Bermuda Triangle of Signal Zones down here in uh Oh, right. well, don't get lost. I hope I don't cut <laughs> out, but... Um, You've been an inspiration to me, man. I uh, I learned Spanish Bombs as one of the first songs ever on guitar when oh, I first nice picked one. one up. And, uh, yeah, so I just wanted to call and say hi, and uh, you're a living legend. Thank you very much. Very nice of you. Well, I was hoping you could say hi to my wife. She's driving home right now. Her name is Michaela. Michaela. Hi, Michaela. Listen, drive safely, darling, and take it easy. Well, well, thanks very much, caller, and doot-doot-a-loot-doo. You do. And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, Nerdwood Human Super Radio Show. There you are, Mick. You're helping with people on their drive homes in Russia. I know. I'm trying to tell them to drive safely and that. I'm, I should be like the guy, the green cross-code guy. Carbon Silicon have a song called Yes, I Can. And speaking All of right. speaking of yes, I can. Is it true that Joe Strummer ran marathons? He was a r- marathon runner. Did you ever he run? He did. Mar- he did. He didn't do training, but he did do the running of the marathons. He ran first the Paris Marathon, right? When he did a runner from the band, right? And then after that, when we we hooked him, we brought him back, 
right? And then he ran the London Marathon. And uh, I think he might have done a couple of them. But he did no training, but they went, I'm doing the whole thing, and he did. Oh, my and God. That's the kind of guy he was, seriously. Caller, are you there? And he did it, and he did it for charity. Hey, hello. Caller, go ahead to Mick Jones from Carbon Silicon. Hi. Hi, Nardwar. Yes, go ahead, caller. It's Chad Allen here. Oh, hello, Chad. Believe it or not, Mick, this is an amazing moment. This, Fantastic. This is Chad Allen, the original lead singer of the Guess Who, speaking to speaking to Mick Jones, singer of the legendary rock and roll band The Clash, Big Audio Dynamite, and Carbon Silicon. That's who you're speaking Amazing. to. Amazing. Mick Jones. Should we do Shaking All Over? Yeah, Johnny Kidd and the Pirates. And... Now, Chad, could you explain to Mick Jones, because when I said to Mick Jones, I'm going to be doing an interview with Chad Allen from The Guess Who, I said the author of the song "Shaken All Over." He said Johnny Kidd and the Pirates. How did? Could you explain to Mick? If the, it was a hit here, wasn't it, Chad? Yeah, well, he's right. Actually, uh, Johnny Kidd um, actually wrote. I'm trying to think of his. Uh, Fred Heath. His real name was Fred Heath, who's deceased That's now, right. actually. And uh, he actually wrote the song. He was famous because he had an eye patch as well. That's right. He had a pilot outfit. That's right. But Mick Green was a fam- famous gu- the guitarist of the Pirates, and he was a very great guitarist as well. So oh, He was great. Indeed. Oh, yeah, I've got uh, stuff on tape here and records, and, yeah, I lo- love Johnny Kidd. Well, th- Me too. Do you know the track Ecstasy? We used to cover that one, the ecstasy. It's like the B side of one of the the singles or something, maybe. But it's like it's called ecstasy, and it's like it goes da 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 ecstasy. Oh, I don't think it's a really cool tune. I'm sure you probably know it. Which songs did you cover, Chad? And guess who? You did a couple Johnny Kid numbers, didn't you? Well, we did. I forget. Oh, the title of the baby feeling. Baby feeling. You do it to me, baby. You do it all the time. Uh, yeah, I, I like this. I like that we're singing them now as well. Isn't that great on the radio now? You know oh, what I mean? yeah. They'll, he'll get the records out soon and play them, and everybody will know them again. Well, this is a momentous occasion, Mick. I'm not joking. You were speaking right there, too. That is Chad Allen. Chad, you really are Chad Allen, aren't you, Chad? Well, yes, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm quite honest. All right, Chad. Nice to talk to you. Nice to meet you, man. And nice to talk to you. work. Well, Chad, I'll give you a call back in a couple minutes and uh, keep on rocking in the free world, Chad. And do 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 loot do. Thanks, do do. Okay. Uh, Hold. And wasn't that amazing, Mick? That was Chad Allen, the original lead singer. I know. The, what a great interview this has turned out. <laughs> of the Guess Who, linking up with you, Mick Jones. I, <laughs> I, it's, just, it's incredible, because, yeah, Chad, it, seriously, it was the singer of the Guess Who, and then, of course, he left, and then Burton Cummins took over. They had 18 records out, 18 records out before they had a hit. 18 records. Amazing. That's a, that shows character. Speaking of long hair, etc., is it true that Don Letts has never cut his hair in like 30 years? He hasn't cut his hair. Is that true, Don I don't Letts? No, oh, I've got Leo sitting with me, and he's a very he's, a, he's also a rasta. And so, um, is it true that Don has never cut his hair, or he, Don has never cut his hair? Have you cut yours? You cut it, trimmed it a little bit. But it's like so long your locks. Both those guys, Don has never cut his hair. But it's like so. They're both so long. The locks are just like 
down there now. It's like when you get older, it just grows. I mentioned Flavor Flav, Mick Jones. Grandmaster Flash, you had Grandmaster Flash open for the Clash in New York City years ago. Is it true he was bottled off the stage? Was he really bottled off the stage? He wasn't really bottled off, but they didn't get the the, the uh, reception that we'd hoped he did. That's for sure. He got barracked somewhat. They were... Uh, they weren't open as open as we uh, we hope. We saw our fans as much more open-minded. And then Joe came on and got told everybody off pretty much. You know what I mean? Like you've got to give these people a chance and stuff. But now, now look at it. But we we love Flash. Yeah. I mentioned earlier a bit about bands that are happening now. For instance, Lily Allen was kind of the big thing a couple of years ago. I don't know too much about Keith Allen. What can you tell to people, people about Keith Allen, Lily Allen's father? Are you aware of Well, Keith yeah, he's an old friend of ours, an old friend of ours, a great friend of Joe's of mine. Um, when we first met him, he's, a very, he's quite a well-known actor in England now, but when we first met him, he was at... He was like the manager of this like kind of variety act called Peter Singh, the Sikh Elvis, and he was like the manager. Of it. <laughs> they were playing with the Clash with us, and he came on. He was a Sikh guy, and he come and did the whole the late Elvis shtick, the whole thing. And so he was the manager of that. He's worked himself up. His brother is quite a well-known director who directed that film Twin Towns. You know, the first film that Reese Siffins made, but. Um, Keith is a very well-known and much-liked actor back at home who plays in the... He's like the sheriff of Nottingham in the new Robin Hood. Mick Jones of Carbon... pretty good, actually. Mick Jones of Carbon Silicon, 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. If anybody wants to phone in and speak to Mick Jones from Carbon Silicon, the recordings that you did for your new release, Carbon Silicon, the Carbon Silicon, the last... Yes. The last post. The last post, What was yeah. the environment like? Because when you recorded London Calling with Guy Stevens, he was throwing around a lot of chairs. What was the difference between the chair throwing of Guy Stevens versus a recording of Carbon Silicon, The Last Post? Well, uh, I think Guy was a fantastic catalyst for us, you know what I mean? Even though his methods may have seemed a little bit um, unusual, but nonetheless he seemed to get something out of the group that um, that actually I took on in my production when I started producing. My main inspiration as a producer would be like Guy Stevens, who whose main inspiration would have been Phil Spector or something, but it's actually to do with uh, not only... Well, mostly to do with being in the moment you're in the studio, making that moment happen, but also knowing all the stuff that led you to be that moment and all the stuff that inspired you to be in that moment. Caller, are you... trying to bring all that out. Caller, are you there? Yes, I am. Caller, go ahead to Mick Jones from Carbon Silicon. Hi, Mick. This is a complete honor to speak to you. All right. Nice to speak to you, too. Hi. I actually saw you guys live in 1982 at uh, the Carisdale Arena here in Vancouver. Uh, oh, cool. On that rock tour. It was fantastic. Sure. But I have a question for you. Yeah, of course. Just wondering if, if you and Joe had any plans of reuniting the Clash prior to his untimely death a few years back. Well, it, it seemed like it. we wanted to because we were gonna. Uh, we were talking about the uh, being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and that was just coming up. And we were talking about it, and we, 
I, I was pretty much up for it, and so was Joe. And then Paul wasn't that much up for it, and we were we were going to try. And, we talked about trying to figure out a way of trying to persuade him in some way or another. You know, twist his arm. Yep. Fantastic. We thought Chinese. We thought Chinese waterboarding might work. I'm watching you guys right now on YouTube, uh, White Riot Live, 1978, Victoria Park, London. All right. Yeah, it's fantastic. Anyway, thanks for the music. You guys are, are the best. And uh, like I said, it was a real honor talking to you. Thank you Thank very you much. Call- Actually, it's been my pleasure. Thank Take you, care. caller, and do 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 Clash rules. And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwater Human Service Radio Show. In that clip that the caller was talking about, Jimmy Percy is singing for you. Speaking of other punk bands, etc., did you ever do any gigs with Crass? What did you think about Crass, the punk band Crass? Crash. No, we didn't do any gigs with them. They didn't like us very much, I think, because they were kind of like a bit jealous or something. But they went on to do Chumbawamba, a lot of those guys. And uh, they poured an ice bucket over John Prescott, who was Deputy Press Prime Minister at the Brits Award, famously for that, and didn't do very much after it. Another caller asked a little while back, Hans, about your relationship with the Sex Pistols. When I think of the Sex Pistols, of course, I think of Johnny Rotten. And then I think of Public Image <coughs> Limited. And then I think that the first drummer of Pill, Jim Walker, is Canadian. He was from Vancouver. Do you remember? Oh, right. That's right. Yeah. Do, do you remember Jim Walker from Vancouver? Because when you think about it, here's a kid. He grows up in Vancouver. He moves to England, and he ends up joining Johnny Rotten's band. What do you remember about what, Jim Walker? What, from- that must have been wild. That, what, that must have been like. I knew him very vaguely, briefly, but I do know Keith Levine, who was the first guitarist, used to be our guitarist in The Clash, but we had too many guitarists. And so he worked out that it just happened that he left. And then he joined them group, that group. We <laughs> took him for a drink. Do you have any memories of Jim Walker? I was just curious. Do you remember him at all? Have you ever seen him around? Or do you remember I, the... I haven't seen him for a long time. I, I, knew, I knew him to say hello to in those days. You know, that was it. Do you know many Canadians at all, Mick Jones, over the years? Have you? I do. I have a really great friend who's a Canadian. His name is John Leonard. And he's a saxophone player, and he played with Spear of Destiny first. And then he went on to play also with, uh, no, he played with Theatre of Hate first, and then went on to play with Spear of Destiny. And also he was like a, a North American squash champion, John Boy. And so we were so very much liked him, and we're still our friends today. He's an artist and still continues to be a musician. And he's in Toronto. You've been working with Tony all these years from the London SS. You even yes, well, we've been friends all these years. We haven't been working together. We've been obviously in our own groups, but now we're working again together. But in a way, weren't you helping or working with Sig Sig Sputnik? Didn't you used to buy, I, didn't you used to buy Sig, Nick, Sig Sig Sputnik synthesizers? Weren't you on the road? You'd buy... Well, I, I did. What I did is I mixed the sound for their very first gigs. I was like their out front sound guy. Right, it's just like uh, we were both like we started those those groups to sort of at the same time. We were still great friends, and Tony started Sputnik, and I started BAD, and we sort of came up at the same time together. And we were the only groups that were using like about you know like samples and all that stuff. We were like one of the first groups that used it before there was companies and stuff that copyright companies like it's now today. Forget about it. 
And you are Mick Jones of The Clash. Well, thanks so much for phoning into the Nerdwater Human Serviette radio show, Mick Jones. Of course, it's been my pleasure. Lovely talking to you. Oh, really appreciate it. And lastly, I just wanted to ask you one last question. Peter Whitehead, speaking of films, you got Peter Whitehead to film one of your gigs, and I saw a movie that Peter Whitehead did about London and the Pink Floyd. Having Peter well, Whitehead... an amazing film called Tonight Let's All Make Love in London, which is a 60s iconic. Peter shot all like the first... Um, all the stuff for immediate label, Andrew Lou Goldham, all the first Stones promo films, uh, Small Faces. He shot the first ever film of Pink Floyd, um, Led Zeppelin at the Bath Music Festival before they'd even debuted in London. That really incredible underground avant-garde filmmaker. He filmed Alan Ginsberg and the Poets in 63 at the Albert Hall. He's like a really... Um, important figure in underground filmmaking culture figure, you know. And he filmed you guys. Will that film be available? When can we see that film? What did he film? Well, he filmed uh, like some stuff we in the early, earlier, like a couple of years ago in Carbon Silicon. We still continue to be friends and stuff, but I want to, you know, be trying to help him to put his films out. You know, more than anything, really. But our... All our stuff is available everywhere on the internet for free, so just forget about it. You have whatever you like. Carbonsilicon.com. And thanks for phoning to Nerdwriter Human Serviette Radio Show. Anything else you want to say to the people out there at all? Mick Jones from Carbon Silicon. Um, just, uh, just try and take care of yourself and uh, drive safely and um, try and uh, be positive about things. Have a nice time. What song would you like to end the interview with? We did play The Global War, and we also... Oh, played, I heard it, yeah. We, what about, which one would you like to hear? TF, Madness, Solent Green, or The Duel? Which one do you think you'd like to end the interview with? Um, Solent Green is a good one, because and, it's got a good backstory. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, because you know that film, we wrote that for that film, but that was like, we didn't get it done in time. And so the film came out in 1972 or 73, and we didn't finish the song till 2000 and something, so obviously we're late as usual, but it's a great song anyway. Well, you gave it a shot, and thank you also for... <laughs> we tried our best. Thank you also, Mick. Keep on rocking in the free world, and do... Thanks, man. do 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 Lots of love, everybody. Almost, Mick Jones. do 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 Thank you. To the corporate span of global warming, to 
you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. Who do we have on the line right now? Hello, are you there, caller? Hey, I am here. Who are you, caller? Uh, well, my, my initials are C.A. You are? And I was with a band called a Guess Who. And you are? <laughs> Chad, Chad Allen. Guess who? Chad Allen. And Chad, thank you for rejoining the Nardwarty Human Serviette Radio Show, because a few moments ago, we had an amazing rock and roll moment. Chad it's- Allen, lead singer of the Guess Who, versus Mick Jones, ex-lead singer of The Clash, singer of Carbon Silicon, singer of Big Audio Dynamite, together on the same phone line. A momentous occasion, just fabulous. And I asked him about Shaken All Over, and I said, well, you know, the Canadian band, it did Shaken All Over, but he still thought it was Johnny Kidd and the Pirates. I guess people in Canada a lot of times think it's our song. Do people think it's our song, our Canadian national anthem, Shaken All Over, because of Guess Who put it together? Well, actually, in a way, that's true. Um, in actual fact, I do believe... Um, as far as I know, that our version was inter- internationally more successful. Um, you know, whereas Johnny Kidd was more regional uh, in uh, England, uh, Belgium, Germany, Europe. And I believe um, it got its start on Radio Caroline. You know, that they started a lot of records there. But I believe ours was the, uh, the bigger hit, as it were, internationally. But uh, their version was just, just fabulous. I don't know if you have it around. But uh... I don't have it handy to kick on. However, speaking of being around and me linking you to Mick Jones and you being linked to Mick Jones, Chad right. Allen, ex-lead singer of the rock and roll band The Guess Who, people can be linked to you this Sunday at the Vancouver Record Collector's Swap Meet. That's exactly right. Uh, this Sunday, April the 6th. Uh, at the Croatian Cultural Center, which is uh, was it 3250 uh, Commercial Drive in Vancouver from uh, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Uh, there's a swap meet, and there's all kinds of vinyl and records, and there's some CDs and cassettes and posters and all kinds of really neat stuff. And I'll be there um, pr- promoting my uh, new CD, actually, called Chad Allen and the Reflections, Early Roots. And we'll be there signing and stuff and saying hi and shaking hands and stuff. So come on out. Every $2 to get in, which is really, really good. 11 a.m., and you got to get there early, too. 11 a.m., because all the good deals are early, right? you got to get there early. That's true. you got to be there early, right? <laughs> 36, 24, 36. We introed you with that song. That's from the Early Roots CD. What can you say about that, Chad Allen? This is from well, the brand-new, recently unearthed Chad Allen and Reflections Early Roots that's CD. That's right. Some have called it called the tapes that from the lost, you know, the mystery tapes, the lost tapes. Um, I had, I've had them in my possession, actually, for... Uh, uh, well, since 1962. They were recorded in 1962. And I was going to release them actually in the 70s. Uh, I cleaned them up and never did. And finally, uh, Larry Hennessy, you know, the, the Larry and Willie uh, duo. Yes, indeed. 99.3. Oh, no. Sorry, they're somewhere else. But yes, we do know them. Yeah, they used to be on 99. But they're on another station right now. I don't know if I can mention it or done with Oh, I think they're on Jack FM, something That's like Jack that. Jack FM, yes. And Larry and Willie. And that Larry is a really, really great engineer. And uh, I gave him, I, I, I gave him the um, uh, tapes uh, to, uh, to work on, and he, he digitally uh, worked on them and cleaned them up, and uh, he did a really, 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 really good job. Um, anyway, where were we? Uh, 36, 24, 36. 
That was recorded in Minneapolis. That's one of the actual studio tracks on this particular release. Maybe we should clarify as well. There's a lot of maybes here, a lot of clarification still to begin with. Chad Allen, if anybody has any questions for Chad Allen, 604-822-247, 604-UBC-CITR. Chad, where did you fit in with the Guess Who for people that don't know? Like, who were the Guess Who? And how do you fit in for people that don't know? There's different stages of the legendary Guess Who. In fact, there's probably a Guess Who playing tonight somewhere in the middle of the United States of America, like the Guess Who has never stopped. It's going. It's got all sorts of different members and all sorts of different times that they served. When were you in? When did you leave? Just so that people know. Well, I left in uh, 1966. Actually, um, oh, you, you got my brain going. A lot of things here. There is there is a new Guess Who, a new Guess Who um, working out of the United States, and our, our uh, original bass player Jimmy Kale, K A L E, and our original drummer Gary Peterson actually are the two original members in the new Guess Who, and they're t- they tour around the United States, and they do quite well, apparently. Um, But going back, I had a band called the Silvertones in the mid-50s, late-50s, and then we uh, we released, actually, Tribute to Buddy Holly, the Tribute to Buddy Holly song, which is on this CD. Uh, That was our very, very first record release in 1962 on Canadian-American Records, actually, and that was out. And then our, our new name happened. It was Chad Allen and the Reflections. And we were trying to, we emulated the shadows actually quite a bit. We were trying to get a shadowy type name, and we came up with the Reflections, and that was 1962. And then uh, we went on to Quality Records, uh, had some stuff out called Stop Teasing Me, Shy Guy. Um, and then um, actually what happened, um, there was another band, uh, Quality Records had a group called The Reflections, you know, just like Romeo and Juliet. That's a great tune. I yeah. love that tune. It's a wonderful tune, but they were called Reflections as well. So we changed our name. Uh, we were looking for a similar name, and we came up with the Expressions. We had a lot of names. Oh, too many names, actually. And so it was now the Expressions. And then what happened was that Quality Records out of Toronto uh, really, really liked Shaking All Over. And there was, uh, they, they released a white uh, promotional record, uh, and nobody knew who we were. We wanted a name change. We were looking for a, uh, a higher plateau you know, type, of, type of name more international type name, and uh, they released a record, and they sent it out to radio stations, and uh, they ran a contest. The, the DJs would go on the radio, and they would play Shaken, and they would say, hey, if you can guess who this is, um, you know, phone in, and you'll win a trip to wherever, guess who it is? And people would call in. This is during the British invasion, right? And, like, um, the Beatles, of course, were just getting going and uh, during the pacemakers and stuff. And people would call in. Is it John Lennon? Is it the Beatles? Is it, is it Paul McCartney or Jerry Morrison or whatever? And, uh, and and the DJ kept saying, well, guess who it is? Guess who it is? The label said, guess who, actually? Uh, question mark. And the name stuck, really. And that's really how the name came uh, came about. Was anybody fooled at all? Uh, anybody fooled? Did anybody actually think it was John Lennon? And when did you end up leaving the Guess Who? Well, you know, the, the probably some the, there were some people I think that may have been fooled um, because it has uh, it had a really authentic uh, British sound. Well, I mean, as authentic as we could get from Winnipeg, we were recorded in, in in Winnipeg, but we're all very much into British stuff. But the reason it had. Uh, I think uh, a British sound was we had a British engineer. We recorded that at uh, a TV station, actually, in Winnipeg, uh, the old uh, CJAY studios, which is now uh, CKY. And we recorded it there, and the guy was great. I can't remember his name, but he's a British guy, and he, he fell onto some kind of a neat echo effect, and he did a really, really good job. 
And uh, so that was the beginning. We, we felt, when, when we were recording it, we just felt a rush, just an excitement, an electricity. And somehow we knew that uh, you know, something big was going to happen. That was shaking all over. When you were actually recording it, did you have to sneak into the studio? Randy Bachman tells a story of you guys sneaking into the studio to record Shaken All Over at this TV station. Do you remember that at all? Yeah, well, we, uh, we weren't really supposed to. It was after hours, yes. We did kind of nip in there, uh, I forget, what, after midnight or after what, whatever time it was at night. Yeah, so we had to kind of slip in and record. And uh, uh, yeah. What about <laughs> the legacy of Shaken All Over, Chad Allen? Chad Allen from the Guess Who? And Chad <laughs> Allen will be at the Vancouver Record Swap Meet this Sunday at the Croatian Cultural Center, right, Chad? That's right. We'll be there. Autographing, selling, signing, hawking. Chad Allen, Early Roots and Reflections, a brand new CD of early stuff by Chad Allen and Reflections on Regenerator Records. What's the legacy of Shaken All Over? How long did people keep doing Shaken All Over? In other words, when I say people, I meant the rest of the band. You left the band at what point? 1966. That's right. How, how, did they keep doing Shaken All Over? Did the band keep performing it? Are they playing Shaken All Over tonight, wherever to guess who is playing? Well, actually, you know, I don't think they ever, ever really, really stopped. I mean, Burton Cummings, of course, came into the band, and he's you know, an amazing uh, musician. And I believe they, they, I don't think they ever really, really stopped. I don't think audiences would let them uh, stop. And as far as I know, um, the, the, the guess who... Um, not the new guests, who, as we know them now, but the, the actual original or sort of original band with Cummings and, and Backman, uh, they toured the United States when was it, about five, six years ago or whatever or more, and um, they kept the audience, or the audiences kept asking for Shaken All Over, Shaken All Over, Shaken All Over, in spite of the fact that, uh, you know, Undone and, and These Eyes and stuff, American Woman were really, really, really big hits. They still asked for Shaken All Over, and, and there seems to be, uh, the association seems to be strongest, uh, you know, with Shaken All Over in the band, and they're still doing it. And, uh, yeah, it's fabulous. That, that song has been recorded by uh, from surfing groups to Susie Quattro to, of course, uh, the, the Who on the Live at Leeds album. And uh, there was a Johnny Chester version out of Australia. There was a group called the Lords out of Germany that had a pretty good, uh, pretty good version. They have great hair. I love the Lords. They have amazing, like, blonde hair, and they do great dance moves. Well, I never saw them. I just heard their records, actually. Did Shaken make money, or should I rephrase the question by saying, who made the money of <laughs> Shaken all over? Somebody must have made money. It probably wasn't you guys. Uh, yeah, no, we didn't make, uh, there was a few dollars that came in, I remember, uh, in mid-60s there, that a few uh, royalty dollars, but probably the people that made the most money were quality records in Toronto, but God bless them, they did a great job, um, you know, for us, um, and they promoted us uh, really a lot, but they probably made, made a fair bit of money. Um, the writer, actually, um, Johnny Kidd, who was Fred Heath, as I mentioned, um, he's, uh, he passed away some years ago, so his estate or his wife or family, whomever, would, uh, would be uh, making some uh, money from the, the, the writer's royalties. Plus the uh, publishing company, uh, Mills, I believe it was Mills, Mills Music, would be making some money. Um, 
you know, um, mainly that, I think. Chad Allen, on your brand new CD, Chad Allen and the Reflections Early Roots, it's a live set, most of it, aside from the studio tracks, recorded at a dance, and the last song is whole lot of shaking on the shaking theme, whole lot of shaking going on. <laughs> at the ending of that song, you guys are really going for it. Like, it's like, da 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 like, it's quite an ending. You guys are quite a tight band. What can you tell the people about the ending for a whole lot of shaking going on and the actual recording that's on this CD, how it's like a dance and how tight you were. Well, yeah, we were very tight. You know, the ending, as you're kind of saying, was recorded recorded with one microphone at a high school. I think it was maybe Melrose Junior High. I forget, but it was one microphone, which was the lead the lead microphone that I was actually using for the lead vocal. And uh, it was picking up everything just really, really, really well. It just—it's like a miracle, really. And um, we did, of course, we did a faster version of "Whole Lot of Shaking" on there. But it was um, the last tune. It was the last dance. Was the DJ uh, Dennis Dino Corey came on. He said, "Ladies and gentlemen, it's the last dance of the evening." And so it's, it basically traces through the feeling and the vibes and the music of uh, of a dance that we played in 1962. And it's really cool. And at the end. Um, as I said, we were very much into the shadows, and we, we actually did shadow steps. They had this little step. You kind of cross one foot over the other, one leg over the other, and we did shadow steps quite a bit. And the shadows actually did that ending, which we emulated. And we kept on going, kept on going. And so that was basically shadows influenced. You were also signed to Scepter Records, United States of America, Florence Greenberg, and they released, I think in 1965, a compilation of some of your tracks that you'd released previously on quality in Canada, but the cover of the record was just a boy and a girl dancing. There was no picture of the band, was there? No, 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 there wasn't. It was basically, it was very interesting because it was a picture of a uh, black man, man and woman dancing. And, and Scepter Records was largely a black label, and they had some fabulous stuff. They had uh, John Warwick uh, on the label, um, uh, the Shirelles, remember the Shirelles, and um, oh, all kinds of really neat people were were coming in and out of the uh, the, the studio there. Uh, but basically, um, it, it was a deal between Quality Records Toronto and Scepter Records in New York. Because Shaken was such a huge hit, you know, in the States. It made number, I forget, it did, it, it did really well in America. I think like number 22 on 22. Billboard. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which was an amazing accomplishment for these young guys. Guys from Winnipeg. And I did an interview with Randy Bachman years ago, and I asked him about touring the States, and he said he remembers the first gig that he did in Washington, D.C., that the cover of the record may have caused some confusion because you were playing a high school and the principal didn't know that you were a white group. You know, that's exactly true. We went in. I believe, we'd, I believe we went to Toronto first, and we drove in on this convertible. One of the fellows, Lee Farley, I think, from Quality, we drove from Toronto into New York, or into Washington, actually, New York and Washington, and we went to play at, I think it was a charity, some kind of a charitable event. Anyway, we went into the school, and we were white as all get out. It was largely, uh, it was a black neighborhood, really. And we went in uh, and then went into the dressing room and we got dressed and ready to, you know, set up our stuff and ready to play and everything. And um, the, the, the guy would, whomever they would announce, ladies and gentlemen, he's Chad Allen in the uh, re- Reflections. Guess who? 
or you know reflections, expression. Here's the guest too with her big hit shaking all over. We came on, and you could have heard a pin drop. I mean, they were expecting uh, black guys really, and we came out and there we were white, and it was kind of quiet, and we didn't know what was going to go on. But but once they started playing, we broke the ice, and it was just really 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 good once we once we got going. But I was really flattered that people thought we were a black group because. Um, you know, it was just a compliment, really. And that kicked off quite a tour. Like, that was the beginning of a tour he did with the Kingsmen, Sam the Shaman, the Pharaohs, That's right. Dion and the Belmonts, and the Guess Who from Winnipeg. Yes, yeah. Playing all over the United States of America. How did you fit in with those various acts? Because they were pretty tight. The Kingsmen, Sam the Sham? Oh, my Lord, I know. Um, we toured, actually, at that time, it was a Dick Clark American Bandstand bus, bus tour. And it was a lot of fun with the guys. And uh, I remember in Boston, Massachusetts, uh, we were uh, basically, I guess, the warm-up band for the uh, the Kingsmen. And they would they would they would bring in local, you know, local acts, uh, Barbara Mason and uh, uh, actually Eddie. Ho- remember Eddie Hodges? Uh, going on, knock on your door, ring on your bell. Anyway, they brought in all these local people as well. When, whenever we hit a, a town. Uh, but we played in Boston, and the, the the girls just went nuts over the Kingsmen, and we all we had, and they, they were chasing the Kingsmen. We had to run uh, run to their bus outside, and so and and, and they kind of kind of spilled over onto us uh, as well. So there we were, the Kingsmen running to the bus. We ran to the bus. We locked ourselves in the bus, and all the girls were coming and bashing on the windows and stuff so it was really amazing those are they were great guys really great guys on your early root cd and again we're speaking here to chad allen lead singer of the guess who till 1966 about his brand new cd chad allen and the reflections early roots early 1960s rock from winnipeg manitoba canada people chasing you did you need protection at all because these tapes came from your original manager who offered security for you, right? This is where the tapes came from. The high school dance was taped by your original manager who also worked security. He was your boss, your security dude. How much security did you need? Did things get dangerous? Well, not terribly at that time, but uh, no, his name was Brian Robertson, and he was a great guy. He had a motorcycle and a black leather jacket and stuff, and he became our manager, uh, our first real manager, I guess, and... Um, he had also had a PA system, which was really, really handy with a microphone and speakers and everything. And uh, but there were a few, few occasions where the crowds would get a little raunchy, and they would, you know, come over to us while we were playing. And you know, somebody might get a little tipsy or something and come over. And uh, Brian would have his friends, his buddies, um, you know, at the doors and you know beside us and at the doorway and stuff. And uh, there was nobody, nobody would hurt us with uh, Brian and, and the guys. But it didn't really, you know. There wasn't a huge problem with that, but, you know, just in case. This particular uh, CD was going to come out years ago. Who was going to put it out years ago? That's a good question. Uh, whomever uh, whomever wanted to. Uh, there was no particular label, um, you know, for that at the time. It was just whomever uh, you know, would be interested, really. It's interesting listening to the CD, too, and people can buy the CD at Neptune Records and all across Canada and also at the Vancouver Record Swap Meet this Sunday, right, Chad? That's right. You can. Yes, we'll be there, we'll, and we'll have posters and everything as well uh, for sale. We can autograph, you know, sign some posters and stuff. And also you can get the, uh, the album on uh, uh, www.regeneratorrecords.com. 
Uh, The first track is Studio Dialogue 1962. And listening to that Studio Dialogue, I got a bit scared. It almost sounded military-like. Was it like that in the studio back then? Because like, oh, you know, it's like barking at you guys. You must have got a bit... What was it like? What what do you think about Studio Dialogue 1962? What was it like recording in 1962 with people barking orders at you? Was it like the military? Um, Well, not really. Maybe it sounds... uh worse than it really is. Well, you know, that was our first um, major recording, you know, session, except for we had recorded in, um, like, radios, Winnipeg radio stations and stuff, and TV stations, of course, but this was the first major, I guess it was a four-track recording studio in in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It was called K-Bank, K-A-Y-B-A-N-K, K-Bank Studios, named after the the owners there. And, uh, but no, as far as my remembrance, the guy was okay. He just kind of I guess he sounded kind of serious on the on the recording there, but the guy was okay. But we, but we didn't know. I mean, what did we know? Everything was just cool. But there's some stories behind that uh, studio session as well. What would those be? Oh, <laughs> um, well, I don't know. From our uh, our manager Brian, um, we we had to. He had to borrow. Uh, we needed some money to record, so we, uh, his parents loaned us, I think, a hundred dollars to to go to Minneapolis and we stayed at the YMCA and all that kind of stuff. But the really um, the, some of the major things that happened was um, when we were recording, uh, Randy Bachman's uh, Gretsch, his big orange Gretsch guitar, uh, the electronics in it uh, did not work. And I had a, a white Fender Jazzmaster, actually. So we, we uh, traded guitars. So Randy ended up playing my uh, white Jazzmaster, and I played his Gretsch uh, for rhythm. And so, which I think was good because uh, the Fender. Guitar, I think, um, is better like for Holly, like for Tribute to Buddy Holly and stuff, for Shadows, too. So it was kind of neat how that worked out. The only thing is my acoustic um, playing, you couldn't, I don't think you could hear hear that much. And we used uh, um, the Jimmy Kale on bass. Uh, actually, he played through his speaker. I made a speaker uh, myself, actually, uh, the bass speaker. I made handmade and everything. And, and uh, it was just a cool, a cool session. Recording equipment. West Dawkins and the Rebels, a band from Edmonton, did they end up inheriting Buddy Holly's equipment? You know, I really don't know. I know that they recorded down in uh, Clovis, New Mexico, um, with Norman Petty in, in the same studio that uh, Holly recorded, Holly and the Crickets. Because I'd heard that some of that equipment ended up in Edmonton, so the Buddy Holly sound could be found in Edmonton, Alberta. Of course, you loved Buddy Holly with the tribute to Buddy Holly, another cover on the Chad Allen and the Reflections early Roots CD. So I was curious if you ever tried to get a hold of that Buddy Holly equipment over the years. I guess that's more of a Randy Bachman thing. Speaking of Randy Bachman, is it true he sold his Gretsch collection? That Randy Bachman had an amazing collection of Gretsches, and now they're all gone, right? Uh, you know, I don't know if they're all gone. I know, actually, this, he might even be in England now. I think uh, I've heard that he went to, uh, to to trade or sell or whatever, uh, some more guitarists. But, yeah, I, I think he did sell quite a few of them. People have been admiring Randy's equipment for years, including Neil Young. I asked you 16 years ago about Neil Young, and I'll ask you again, Chad Allen. Neil Young used to borrow your equipment. His band, the Squires, would borrow stuff from the Guess Who, right? Yeah, yeah. We used to go over to his place and just kind of look around. And Oh, Neil was great. He used to come to our dances to watch Randy Bachman. He would watch, like he would watch all of us, but he would come to watch Randy and how Randy would play and stuff. It was really, really cool. And uh, Neil was into Shadows uh, stuff as well. As a matter of fact, he recorded uh, some shadowy types. There was what a song called Aurora. 
And the Sultan. Uh, yeah, and the Sultan, exactly. That's, uh, you know, more or less a rare type record, I guess. So he was... The rarest Canadian 45 ever, Aurora Back to the Sultan by Neil Young, the most expensive 45 yeah, ever. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. A couple kidding. thousand dollars. Whoa. I was lucky. A friend of mine got it at a thrift store in Calgary for 25 cents and taped it for me, so I'm okay on that. But that was on the V record label. His single came out, though, after, to guess whose stuff. What yeah. else do you remember about the Squires? Were they pretty interesting um i don't remember a lot i remember the uh the bass player ken coblin he had glasses similar to me uh horn rim glasses and played the bass kind of a quiet guy have you seen neil young in the past 16 years because i last interviewed you 16 years ago chad allen have you seen neil young in the past 16 years no, i haven't seen him since way back way back in the 60s oh I thought no no wait a minute pardon me i saw him i'm sorry uh, there was i did a um a reunion right there was a, re- a shaken all over reunion right in winnipeg 1987 i think it was was and uh he was on the same show as i was yeah so we we uh you know ran into each other there and that was it basically the guess who almost made it to the ed sullivan show uh yes almost you know it's kind of frustrating when the manager says hey you guys we're gonna be on ed sullivan gonna be on ed sullivan and then it didn't happen it almost did but no no it didn't Uh, but unlike Oh, today, where bands would be like, okay, we'll just cancel the flight, you actually went all the way to the Ed Sullivan Theater from Winnipeg and knocked on the door? Uh, no, no. Oh, I thought no. you guys did. I thought you were like, drove all the way to New York and then found out it wasn't happening and turned all the way back. Yeah, no, it was all on telephone. We were in Winnipeg at that time, as far as I remember. But it was quite frustrating, though. Oh, while I'm thinking of it, we, we got, we're talking about uh, success of Shaken All Over. At that time, actually in mid-60s, we actually got a silver record for half a million sales at that time. And this was just shortly, you know, weeks or months or whatever after it was, after it was released. And so it must be... I'm sure it's gone over a million now. It must be over a million or more, you know, sales now. So that was cool. After the Guess Who, you eventually metamorphosized into Brave Belt. I love the Brave Belt album. And we're going to end the Nardwarty Human Serviette radio show with the Brave Belt album and the song Crazy Nights. That's you singing right there, Chad? Uh, Crazy Arms? Crazy Arms. Uh, No, that's Randy singing, but that's okay. Okay, well, I think it says vocals Chad and Randy on it. Yeah, the both of us, yeah. So you're going. Oh, no, pardon me. It's, it's the two of us, yeah. You're going together. What can you tell the people about Brave Belt? This is an amazing, amazing record. It's basically pre BTO, except with you, Chad. And on the cover, there's so much great fur. Uh, yeah, the coats and stuff, you mean? Yeah, you're sitting in the snow with all those great fur coats outdoors. Yeah. Whose idea was it? Where was the photo shoot? Where'd you get the fur? Uh, it was all Manitoba. It was a little outside, uh, outside of Winnipeg there, I, I suppose, at that time. I don't know. We were. It was, uh, you know, that sort of Neil Young. Um, you know, that sort of country rock kind of feel. And Randy had, it was mostly Randy's, uh, Randy Backman's uh, coats, I think. And there was Robbie Backman, Randy, and myself. And Randy probably, um, I think he brought the coats along with him, and we went to this snowy, snowy place. It was supposed to be very rustic and very kind of Neil Youngy, you know, which it was, actually. It's kind of interesting. You left the Guess Who, and yet you kept joining the Guess Who in various different ways after you left them, or at least, you know, your paths crossed. For instance, like the Let's Go TV series, they were the house band and you were the house singer. And in Brave Belt, too, like you ran into them over the years, even I though know. you kind of left them. You know, I really appreciate your sort of tracing this whole thing. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really, really a great feeling. Yes, indeed, I left the, I left the Guess Who officially in 66, and then we were back together uh, on the Let's Go CBC TV show. They were the house band, and I was the host. 
Uh, and then um, Randy actually left to guess who uh, later on, and uh, we decided to form Brave Belt. And I was in, in, in that for a while. And uh, on, yeah. a, on a TV show, Let's Go, you're wearing some amazing jackets. That's Can right. I have that jacket? Where's that jacket? I've seen some clips up on YouTube of you wearing this amazing jacket. Where did you get the jackets? Where did you get the clothes when you were the host of the TV show, Let's Go? Well, some of it was my own, but uh, there was this, the CBC Winnipeg um, the studios actually uh, provided that they had a costume uh, department that we kind of kind of used and they had you know kind of military things like uh, sergeant pepper kind of you know outfits and stuff like that so it was the cbc uh, costumes department really in all your years hanging around winnipeg chad allen and we're speaking yeah. here to chad allen from the guess who talking about his brand new cd chad allen early roots chad allen and reflections you're going to be this sunday at the vancouver record swap meet right chad that's right croatian cultural this sunday signing stuff but people should get there early as well just so they can get all the great vinyl deals that's 11 to like 5 you're going to be signing stuff there have you ever crossed paths with Winnipeg's most favorite export KTEL do you have any dealings with the KTEL Corporation you know actually uh, that's interesting you should say that in in terms of shaking all over um, there's of course the Kivas brothers K-I-E-V-E-S the Kivas brothers and uh, one of the the, the, the main fellows in in that uh, company in the family was Phil Kivas and my only really dealings with, well, actually a couple of dealings with him, but what actually happened um, when I was with uh, Brave Belt, uh, we were doing the, the second album, the second and last album for actually on the Brave Belt. We did actually a, an, another version of Shaken All Over. Uh, early, was it 1972? I guess we taped that in Toronto. So we did a, a new version of Shaken All Over, and I actually had that... Uh, ownership of, of that particular uh, master tape, that song. So I went to Phil Kivas at KTEL and I said, hey, would you like to release Shaken All Over? And he said, sure. And he released it on the uh, the Pinball Rock. I don't know if you remember the Pinball Rock um, I release. And so that was released actually as uh, Shaken All Over by Chad Allen and the, and the Guess Who. And, uh, and then later on, actually, I worked for Phil. Uh, I played uh, solo piano, actually, uh, well, shortly after I, I left the band in '66, I uh, played some um, lounge. I did some lounge work for Phil, playing uh, music and, and stuff in the lounges and stuff. So, uh, yeah, we had a little bit of uh, getting together there. Winnipeg, home of personality crisis, propaganda, Neil Young, and KTEL plus Chad Allen. So thanks so much for phoning in to the Nardwater Human Serviette Radio Show here today, Chad. Really appreciate that. And people should check you out again this Sunday at the Vancouver Record Collectors Swap Meet at the Croatian Cultural Center, 11 to 5, and you'll be there all day signing stuff? Pretty much, yeah. Yes. Your brand new CD, Chad Allen and Reflections Early Ruse. But here is Crazy Arms by Brave Belt. And who's the lineup on this particular record? Who's playing what? Is- uh, well, on the first Brave Belt album, it was uh, Randy Backman of course, on guitars and, and, and some bass tracks. Uh, his brother, Robbie Backman, on drums, and myself on guitars, uh, I guess a little bit bass, and, and keyboards. And it was originally a trio. So what you're hearing is actually the three of us doing overdubs and stuff. It was Randy, Randy, as you said, Randy singing, and I'm singing with him. And uh, it was a trio originally, and then Freddie Turner came in later on because for stage purposes, we needed another another fellow on bass. But this is basically a three-man unit with overdubs, you know, adding adding tracks and stuff um, on Crazy Arms, Crazy Eyes. And then we had 
Chad. <laughs> Trent. Thanks so much, Chad, for phoning in. Keep on rocking in the free world and doot, 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 doot. Doot, doot. is a live presentation of CITR News.